So hello and welcome to another edition of the High Flyers Club. This episode we're focusing on perseverance and uh, with me is the ultimate Raven really. And we're talking the first ever member of our Raven community. Emily is here. Emily, thank you for uh, agreeing to to share and to do this and for being here. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you, Simon, for having me on. I always enjoy being on the podcast, so it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, so for anyone that's new with this, so the High Flyers Club is about us uh, sharing the um, our experiences and the fragility that comes with the human experience, really, and uh, talking about things that that people have overcome or things people have struggled with. And the idea is that if one person listens and benefits in any kind of way, then it's more than worth sharing. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we can accomplish that for someone. But this came from our discord channel. So you wrote something in there uh, a couple of days ago that uh, I thought was really powerful. And, and a lot of, you know, loads of the other Ravens were, you know, really supportive and, and uh, really into it as well. And so I just asked if you'd be willing to share it and talk about it here. Um, so talk talk us through. So how, how did this begin? And talk us through the story, please. Okay. Well, I think it's important to know that I had wanted to be a teacher since I was in sixth, sixth grade, which is around 12 years old. Um, we were in off-season basketball and our coach he gave us all all the kids all the girls that weren't playing basketball we got the opportunity to go and read with um kids from first grade to third grade and listen to them read and kind of help them sound out words you know whatever this is like where you know how that you in your life you know where things like take a turn and this was like one of those for me this is where that I was like I love doing this and this is where that I wanted to become a teacher was. So I'm 12 years old. I've decided that's what I want to do. Um, I moved to a new school. Um, We did a PowerPoint whenever I was like 14 in eighth grade about like what we wanted to do when we grew up. And um, I was the only one that did a PowerPoint about being a teacher and um, education. And so fast forward to taking like the first pre-ACT test, which was later on that year. I I didn't do great. On it. Wait, wait, um, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Back up just a little <laughs> sec, just a little second. That's painted a really great picture. Where, when you say a teacher, did you have a specific like age group you wanted to teach? Did you want to teach like little kids or high school, middle school? Yeah. So I always tell everybody I want to be a kindergarten teacher because I always thought I could teach kids their ABCs and their colors and their shapes. You know, that sounded so fun to me. But <laughs> now, like actually being in a position as an aide, I kind of want to teach like second grade or fifth grade, which is like eight year olds. And then like uh, first like 11 year olds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, kind of varies, but. Okay. okay. So, so, so then to, to take it back to you, so you took what is like an entrance exam or something, is it to be able to yeah, well, study or what is it? It's like the, the ACT is like the, they also have the SAT but the ACT is the test that you take in order to see where you'll do, how you'll do in college. It's kind of like an entry level exam to get into college. And like you, 
you have to pass it. I mean, you can get into college without passing it, but you have to take a bunch of classes that don't count for your degree in order to like be in college it without passing. So like, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute because I took the actual ACT and didn't do great on it either. Okay. <laughs> but this, this one was like, just like a practice, like it wasn't going to count towards college, but it was just like to introduce you to the test and the system and how all that worked. So I took that one in eighth grade and I don't remember my exact score, but I know it wasn't great. Um, but I took it, I took the actual ACT whenever I was in 10th grade, which I was about 17, 16, 17, whenever I took that. And I didn't do good. I remember like my ultimate score was a 19, which to like put it into perspective, the highest you can get on the ACT is a 36. And um, like a mid average is about 20, 23. So I was about average being having a 19, but my lowest score was math and I had a 14 on the math, but for my highest score was 23 on English. So like I was above average on English, but I wasn't above average on math. So when I entered 11th grade, I went to the guidance counselor and she told me based on both my pre-ACT score and my ACT score that I, they weren't high enough for me to do well in college, for me to do well in an education program, and that I would struggle really, really badly. And she told me that I should reevaluate what I wanted to do in my life and my future. But this is something that I had wanted to do since I was 12 years old. The five years of my of my life that I have thought that this is what I want to do because I'm now 17. And so I, you know, I left that meeting kind of like, is that really like, is she right? Because I didn't like when you're, when you're younger, you always think that adults have your best interest at heart. So I just, I assumed that she was right and that she wanted me to do well enough. So I, um, entering my, my last year of high school, my, whenever I was in 12th grade, I decided to go completely against being a teacher. I wanted to major in radiologic technology, which if you don't know what that is, it's being an x-ray technician. Okay. So it's in the medical field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so that was what I decided that I wanted to do. Um, and what is so funny is the guidance counselor that told me that I wouldn't do good as a teacher. She retired that, that year that she told me that. So the next year, our new guidance counselor, she had my little sister in third grade and her name is Mrs. Halderman. And she's just an awesome, awesome lady. She told me, she said, Emily, why aren't you going to be a teacher? She said, I see how you are with Nora. She said, I see how you are with all these kids. She said, you would be such a great teacher. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, I, I'm just afraid of the test. I'm afraid that I'm not going to do good in college. And I said, I just, that, and that was that. So, but that was like the first thing I was like, well, maybe I need to rethink this. But then I was like, no, I'm dead set against not being a teacher. So my first go around in college, I like to call it that. Cause I'm back in college now. I had five majors within like the first four and a half years of my college. <laughs> I changed my major five times. Okay, yeah. Hang on a second. So wait, um, well, hang on. Firstly, well, I need to ask about the majors because I think it works differently here just to get some better perspective on that. But to take it back, 
a second amazing story already by the way um you're telling it wonderfully but the um isn't that isn't that so crazy the difference of perspective from the first guidance counselor to the second one yes and like you said about not knowing you as a young person you kind of just default think that the adults are yeah have your best interest at heart but for all we know that guidance counselor might have in her job description she's got like set quotas that she has to get certain students to certain places and if they don't do well here there and the other way you know it might affect her job or or whatever else but and then when you're talking about the second guidance counselor that seems like she you know she knew you better um, yeah. and could and knew you know your family and had seen you interacting like you said with your you know little sister and, and kids and whatever that actually and particularly with a teacher the skills like are <laughs> You don't need to know maths. That sounds stupid um, because right. it might be like, well, you have to teach them maths. Well, yeah, okay. But I mean, I'm sure people can can do kindergarten maths or even if it's not that, it's like, well, you don't have to teach that. You can teach the stuff that's to your strengths, you know, like, right. uh, and uh, I think what's important as a teacher is having that ability to inspire someone to learn something, you know, or to be able to take something that, could be complex and make it simple you know and uh and and like standardized testing and how someone performs on on an exam isn't going to show that you know it's about personality and heart and spirit and all the rest of it but sorry yes i'm fully i'm fully in this i'm so on your side i want to scream at all these people but okay so the the made the majors what does that mean you pick like a subject that's going to be your overall degree subject is it Right. So like you pick a major and that's what you're studying towards to become. Mm-hmm. So like I had wanted to do radiology. So I would have been studying um, how to give x-rays and I would have been studying like a bunch of science and, a, and a, oddly enough, a bunch of math. <laughs> and that's what made me change my mind was how much math was involved with radiology. So I changed my major five times in the four and a half years that I, that I was in college which is almost, that's a lot. That's mm-hmm. at least like once a, once a year, No, you know? So um, I was a business major. I wanted to do physical therapy for a little bit. Um, then I wanted to do history education. And that's so funny because that I came back around and I was like, you know what? I'm really good at history. I said, I might as well do something that I like. And I was like, well, I, I wanted to be a teacher. Why can't I be a history teacher? Mm-hmm. And, um, or even if that doesn't work, I could work at like, um, a museum or be a historian. I, I thought that would be a really cool thing. But then I saw how much longer it was going to take me since I changed my, that was like right before I was supposed to graduate. And I was like, it's going to take me a long time to do that. So I, I wasted so much time not knowing what I wanted to do because of a conversation I had whenever I was 17, that a guidance counselor told me I shouldn't be a teacher. But, but wait, that's not that's not use the language of of that you wasted because that's got that's that's negative and that's not that's not on you. It's just that's the path that you went on, and right. though it may not have ultimately ended up going in any of the in these other directions, that's still valuable because you were working out that these aren't the things for you, and actually the thing that is for you was where you were originally were at. So it's still. It can it can seem frustrating looking back right. because it feels like well I 
veered off of the path that I was going to go on. But if you hadn't have gone on the path that you went on, that might have been a little bit more bendy, you wouldn't mm-hmm. have the perspective that you have now, you know, and the experience right. that you have now, which I imagine would make you a, a fuller, you know, teacher. Right. And like, I always think that everything happens for a reason. And even though that I wasn't like, I feel like I, I lost so much time not doing what I want, was like put on this earth to do. But at the same time, like there's got to be an overall reason why that I wasn't originally doing be like pursuing a teaching degree. Yeah. But, think think and, about all the people that never get there. Like the people right. that have that conversation with a guidance counselor or whoever, because that's, that's not label all guidance counselors as evil. You know, it's just sometimes <laughs> yeah. these things happen. It could be a conversation with a neighbor, a friend, a family member, whoever, a stranger, but sometimes we can veer off the path and sometimes people don't, they, they're just now in this other lane that they didn't really want to be in. They don't particularly enjoy. And then they're in that for their whole lives and they don't get out of right. it until retirement, you know? And so. And that was always something I was scared of was like getting into a job that I didn't like waking up one day and realizing that I hated my life. And that was always like something that was in the back of my mind as a fear and that was probably also why I changed my major so many times because I wanted to find something that fit, but it was nothing was like working or fitting. So, okay, I so, did end up graduating with an right. associate's degree. Oh, okay, yeah, Sorry. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So, what happened then? So, you graduated, okay. but what what was yes. the end? What was the final major? Just with just with all my basics done, I was able to graduate, but I it was a two year degree, but it took me four and a half years to get it. So I took off some time, but during like my whole college experience, I was um, the youth director at my church and I worked with kids from fifth grade to eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And that was also something else that like factored into my decision to become a teacher again was how much fun I had doing that and how much I loved working with the kids. And I always knew I wanted to work with, with people and help people. So like being an x-ray technician, I thought, well, I could help people in that way you know, but, um, so I worked as a youth director. Um, when I graduated with my two years with my associate's degree, I decided, you know, I'm going to become a paraprofessional, which is someone who works with kids with special needs on a one-on-one basis. So I tested for that, passed all of the certification, got, um, was certified for that. I didn't get a job right away. I subbed, I was a substitute teacher for about two years before I got a full-time job as a para and now I work as a teacher's aide and a para. Well, wait, hang on a second. So wait, when you're saying you're substituting, do you mean in, in like a learning disabilities school? No, it was actually just um, wherever that they needed me at the okay. school that I went to just at my old high school and the elementary school, because we our elementary school and high school. It's kind of weird. They're both connected. So you you can just go across the hall and you'll be in the elementary side or you can go across the hall and you'll be in the high school side, which is kind of, it's unique. And I always thought that that was cool because I got to see Nora all the time whenever I was on the high school side and she'd be walking to gym or she'd mm-hmm. be going to the music room or the library. And I'd get to see her because we share all of those things. Mm-hmm. So, so that's nice. It's, a, it's a unique thing that our school has that not all schools do. So um, yeah, I was just, I would fill in where they needed me. And for since I was certified to be a para, I did get to work um, 
I got to fill in for one of the ladies. She, she had gotten sick. And so I spent a lot of time filling in for her as she was a para. And so that was kind of where that, that came into play. Sorry, just so it's a what are you, are you saying? A para is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Your pet is that meaning you're literally you're paired with a student right. with a, an additional need or a learning disability or whatever, and then you're supporting them? Yes, okay, it's, cool. So I think we just use it's different language here, but that's right. a, I like I like that. That makes sense. A para, yeah. you're paired. I like it. Yeah, well, technically, it's a paraprofessional, which means that like you're you have the certification to work with children but you just don't have all of the college experience to be a full-time teacher right. so like you, you can also like they're not supposed to but paras can also substitute teach they're not supposed to pull a pair from a kid for another class but they do it anyway just because of the teacher shortage that we've had so i've got to sub quite a bit <laughs> right so i think we we call that so um somewhat a para would be called um an SSA, which is stands for a student support assistant, um, or like a TA, is like a teaching assistant. Yeah, a teaching assistant. Yeah. And then with the bit that you're talking about, um, it's called QTS here, which is qualified teacher status. So that be that's the bit that I think what you're saying that if you have that bit, then you're allowed to officially teach the class, like mm-hmm. or, you know, at a teacher level. Um, and if you don't have that, but have some other certifications, you can teach uh what we call post 16 education which is basically after high school um well, we called we called it further education it's very strange isn't it you'd think you'd need <laughs> more qualifications to teach there but in the mm-hmm. uk you if a college deems you acceptable because you have good experience so let's say for example uh like my wife is um a writer and so she's got all the experience of being published and writing and publications and whatever there was a time where she was going to go and teach freelance writing at the college but she doesn't have any teaching qualifications but because she's got like industry experience they would be mm-hmm. uh, you know acceptable to be a teacher but in like if you were to teach in a high school or a elementary school or whatever you have to have all the you know qualified teacher status and all the degrees mm-hmm. and everything it's all it's all weird complicated yeah, that, that sounds like it's cool that you can like have life experience to lend to being a teacher like get, like your wife so but yeah but back to you yeah. okay so now okay. you're so now you're uh so wait so you did the two years substituting mm-hmm. and then then what happened i got a full-time job um as a para in um a school where that they had a bunch of they had, I think there was nine kids who were in their elementary school that were, were, ha- that had learning disabilities and they were, um, they, they were, what was the name for them? severe and profound. That was what our room was called severe and profound. So a lot of these kids were in wheelchairs. They needed to have, um, they needed to be changed like mm-hmm. diaper changes. And, um, the girl that I was paired up with, she was, um, she had vision problems. She could only, they told me that she could only see the colors red and yellow. Those were the only colors she could see really well. She was deaf. She had hearing aids and she could, she was nonverbal. She could make noises and she did make noises, but she couldn't speak. And, um, she, she, when I met her, she used to spit at me. She bit me a few times and, um, 
those were those were her things but by the end of me working with her I she didn't spit anymore on anybody so that was something that I took a lot of pride in yeah and um we learned how to work she learned how to write her name I taught her how to write her name we were working on colors and shapes um and then the school year ended and um I had planned on going back to work with her more the next school year but a job opened up here in the town that I live in and so I I took that job and then I got to work with pre-k I got to work with first grade fifth grade and third grade okay so now you're getting all kinds of experience like, yes. all, like we're talking about life experience actual experience which is so valuable okay right. so then is this where you're currently at now yes this is where I'm at right now okay and so uh, and now and now the most recent news is right. Yes, yes. So I've been. Um, I went back to college in January, and I was on. I had to take like three classes in order to be to like finish out my stuff that I didn't have for um, all my gen eds. So then I got. I'm in the education program right now, and I took the first test to become a teacher, and I passed the test. Um, the score that you're supposed to get like two pass is a 240. I got a 251 is what scored on the pa- on the test. And the <laughs> the funny thing is math wasn't my highest. I don't even remember. I, ha- I don't remember what I got on it. I think it was like a 217, which isn't bad. But my writing portion and my English portion was what like carried me to pass the test. So I what what I was told was completely not what happened. <laughs> what I was told at 17 that I wouldn't. I wouldn't right. do good on the the test. I I did great on the test. Right, of course. And wait, and so so now that sets you up to what? So how what what's the final steps to being a fully getting that like qualified teacher status? What we would call it. Right. So I still have to take. I'm only in my second education course. I believe. Ooh, I have a little list up here. There's like 20 more courses that I have to take, but in the program that I'm in. I'm doing it through the University of Phoenix online and they do five week classes. So every five weeks I'm done with a class and I get to be in a new class. Mm-hmm. So I'll be done by 2024. Okay. So, so by 2024, you'll be a, a qualified teacher. And then, right. and then I'm assuming then you are going to apply for teaching jobs, right? Or hopefully maybe even within the school that you're working in. There, Yes. Yes. So I, I have to take two more tests in order, but other than that, yes, I will be certified to be a teacher and I have to go through like eight hours of um, student teaching. I think I'm like eight college hours of student teaching. So within like a semester, I should have that done. So amazing. So that yeah. is a real show of perseverance and 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 doing it in the face of someone telling you not to and i mean sometimes there is power in that you know in people saying no sometimes can give that reaction of no actually it's a yes and i'm going to show you why it's a yes you know and then other times it's and you know the other way where it's like okay then i'm going to follow a different path and then eventually getting to the point of getting back there anyway um that's that's amazing congratulations to you for thank you not, not giving up be it having that perseverance and 
you know, believing in yourself. And it's so wonderful to hear. And yeah, thank you for sharing it. Yes. And so you told me you had a similar story. Well, my, yeah, my story is is very, very close to yours in so many ways. It's it's crazy in terms of really? the path that you, that you've gone on. So mine was, um, I'll give the short the short version. But when when I was in um, like high school, leaving high school, that sort of age, um, I'm going to do it in American terms because ours is is kind of different <laughs> in the ages. But when I was like leaving high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Originally, my dream was I wanted to be a movie director, of course. <laughs> it was like my dream was to be behind the camera and, and, and live that. This is like when I'm like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, was in, I was enrolled in a, in a course and started doing it. And I literally, I started going off the rails a little bit is what, we, what my uh, parents describe it as. I started having a bit of angsty teenage behavior. Um, and a lot of it comes from having, these are things I've discussed before, having low self-worth from in, in yeah. high school and sort of feeling in the shadows and ignored and all the rest of the things. And when I left high school, I started acting out and, you know, trying to impress people and showing off and all these kind of things, uh, stupid things that we learn as we get older, you know? Um, but I, I didn't really have any direction. And so my mum was and still is a teacher. And she said, why don't you train to be a teacher? Because, um, I, I enjoyed working with kids, uh, and, I had some like experience of, of doing some things when I was in school with working with like younger kids and whatever. And she sold me with, and you get the summers off. Right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, good long summer vacation. <laughs> That's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, fine. Um, so I ended up getting into college to study, to be a, a primary school teacher, which is like what we'd call like elementary school, I guess. Yes. Um, and while I was there, it was fine. I wasn't really focused on studying. I wasn't interested in it. Like I was more interested in being a teenager than I was in <laughs> in studying um, completely. And I had a lot of help. Like my mum was helping me with like my essays and all kinds mm-hmm. of things, you know. Um, so I was fortunate in that way, but also, you know, potentially cheating, definitely cheating. Um, Sorry. <laughs> It's fine. Um, but I didn't use my degree in the end anyway, so it's it's not a problem. But so I at the end of the first year of college or of university, I end up going to Camp America. And this is all just kind of by chance. And um when I'm out there, I'm working with kids that are that kind of age, like sort of age five to sort of eight years old. And I I was quite good at it. Like I I had quite a good rapport, not being like egotistical. Like it, I felt quite natural to me and I was enjoying mm-hmm. it and the days would go really quick. You know, that feeling when a work day just evaporates. So it's like, you know, that you've enjoyed yeah. it and, and it was really good. And I had, we had a couple placements in schools, like during my college course. And that was like going, going reasonably well. And we get to the end of my second year. So it's a three year degree. At the end of my second year, you get put into a longer placement. And I think the placement within a school was for about maybe about eight weeks. And I had a car and the, the 
the i was in oxford so oxford i'm i'm sure you probably heard of it it was the city in um yeah in the uk but i wasn't going to oxford university that's like a yale harvard type i wasn't going <laughs> yes, to that yes. one i was going to a different oxford university that's not like that um but the point was is if you had a car they put you in a school that was much further out from actually from oxford and people that didn't have a car would be in local schools. And because I mm-hmm. had a car, they put me in a school that was an hour away. So every, I know, I know in America, like you guys drive like four hours to go to like yeah. a restaurant or something, but like here, that's, <laughs> that's really, that's really far. That's um, it's still far. Right. And I was only like, I think I was 19, no 20. I think I was mm-hmm. 20 at this point. But I was also in, quite immature. I mean, I'm immature now, but um, and I'm 34. But I was quite immature as a teenager. Like I, I, I wasn't ready to be working properly like this, you know. And um, like I wasn't mentally prepared. So it would take me. So I'd have to wake up really early, um, and then and yeah. drive in traffic, and it would take like an hour to get there, and then and whatever. And I and I was very uncomfortable. Like I would have, you have to wear formal clothes. I have to wear like mm-hmm. a shirt and a tie and all this sort of stuff. And that's just not my style. Like I am not that kind of guy. Um, and even then, I wasn't. So I kind of hated it. And when I was there, it was in a bit of a rough area as well. And um, I just kind of, I just kind of froze up. Like I. Um, I like read the read you do like reading to the class and a couple of things mm-hmm. like that. And because my I've said this before on the podcast, because my voice is quite flat and I'm kind of like a laid back kind of guy, I'm not very animated. And for little right. kids in particular, they like, you know, things happen. Yeah, the voices and things happening yeah. and ups and downs. And I couldn't really force it. And um and my mentor woman, after, and, I, and I basically went into a bit of a, I wouldn't call it a depression, but like a, a, a stress-related depression because of how mm-hmm. I was performing. Like every lunchtime, I'd walk out of the school, walk across the road to a chip shop. And the chip shop here <laughs> in the UK is like, you get a okay. massive, yeah, massive thing of like fries, like chunky fries, like a whole bag. And I would just, I, every lunchtime, I'd go and just like, you know, literally eating my feelings, you know, which had all kinds of effects. Like it would mess my stomach up. And, um, and I just, I just wasn't happy. And I think looking back on it, the men, my mentor, who was like the teacher in the classroom, she was really nice and she was being, she was trying to be supportive, but she, um, she was very much of like the opinion that this is the way that you teach a class. Like this is a book. This is the syllabus. This is how it's always been done. This is how we do it. And I'm not like that. I'm the sort of person that takes the information in and then I have to work my own way out of how to present it and do it in my own style. And she basically told me sort of similar to your guidance counselor story, but, um, I mean, I felt a little bit more personally offended, I think, because she literally was like, you're not good at this. Um, she she said, you basically, like, why do you want to do this? And I didn't really have a great answer because I kind of been led into it by my mom because I was directionless. But I said, you know, my mom's a teacher and I think it'd be a nice thing to do, et cetera, et cetera. And she went, OK, what does your dad do for a living? <laughs> 
And I was like, well, he works in IT and computing. And she was like, okay, maybe you should look into that. And I was like, okay. Um, but the problem that I had was, is if I didn't, if I didn't finish that placement, I couldn't progress onto the final year of my degree. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, is thankfully, and I was very fortunate, but my parents were, didn't want me to have loans. So they were paying for my education. Oh, yes. Um, it's not as crazy expensive as it is in America. <laughs> they, 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 I think it might have changed now, but there was like a cap that um, they, like, I think it was maybe like three thousand pound a term or a year. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Like it was, it was a bit more manageable. I mean, my parents didn't have crazy money like that, but it was like, um, it was like additional pressure that I did. I couldn't just. I didn't want to mess it up or, or have to do a, an additional year or something like mm-hmm. that, because then I'm going to be costing my parents more money. So um, I had to stop the placement. Like they basically said, no, I don't think this is working out. You need to stop. And I had to change my degree. Um, like what you said, instead of it being like teaching, I ended up changing it to being what's called educational practice, which basically meant a degree that's about teaching but you're not allowed to teach at the end of it it's basically yeah. kind of useless it's basically yeah. just, it basically just shows that you have been educated to that level but you can't do anything with it um kind of like a slap in the face kind of too feels like right so that really knocked my confidence but what's funny is so that happened in like just before the summer and um but that summer I was going back to Camp America again. And when I went back to Camp America, so only a couple of weeks after this has happened, mm-hmm. I'm working with the kids again and it's great. Like I'm, I'm having a great time. I'm doing really well. Like I'm getting really great feedback from, you know, my man, you know, my like line manager and the parents and whatever. And it took me a long time to realize what the difference was. And the difference was, was that I had full control to just do things how I wanted to do them. So right. We were just, I would, like, for example, I did a camp, what, a week of what we called fire camp. And it was all about how to put out fires and all this sort of stuff. But we made it really fun. Like, we just mm-hmm. made it into our own thing. We did, like, murder mysteries and little games and whatever. And we're taking the same outcomes of what we're trying to teach to the kids, but putting them in little stories and little games and things that are, like, our own kind, my own kind of style. But it got so but it put me it really kicked my confidence mm-hmm. kicked my direct direction out even though it wasn't really my direction in the first place but now I didn't know what I was doing and I get back to university for college for that third year and um it was one of the lowest times of my life like I, I didn't I don't think I really understood that until now until looking right. back at it I can see, oh, I was really sad. I was, I was like lonely. Um, I had, I was in a friend group that I didn't like and that I wasn't really comfortable in, um, like all kinds of things. And there was lots of little bits that and behavior and things that I really like not proud of. I'm not like, not, not like hurting anyone or anything, but just, you know, silly teenage things. But it's, um, and a lot of it, I think, stemmed from some of that. Because if you don't have direction, it can life can go be a bit meaningless sometimes. And so, to move forward, I, I finish, I get the degree in nothing that means nothing. <laughs> that, 
but I don't even have like it's I don't even know where it is like it's be at my parents house somewhere I think I gave it to my mum because I said well you did it really you know so you can have it um <laughs> but the uh so I get to the end and I go to camp one last time for the, the third summer but this time I'm going back as a unit director so I'm the manager of like the day camp and um and I had a great time and I loved it again so it was very confusing to me it's like how can I be doing so well here and being told that I'm doing well and feel good about it but I can't do it in a school back in the UK but I, I get back home um and I start my first job and my job is working in a college uh, but like in like an office, basically doing like admin stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and on my fifth day, I met Ethany and that's how we met. And she was training me. And then, you know, 13 years later, you know, we're married with the kid yeah. and all the rest of it. But um, but I spent uh, the next two years going between jobs, like not knowing what I was doing. Like I went and worked by all like office jobs, basically. Mm-hmm doing things I didn't like, like just doing spreadsheets and, and and working in sort of big mass conglomerates and whatever. And, um, I'm really hating it. So I get to this breaking point where saying exactly what you said, where I remember saying to Ethany and my parents all the time that I just want to do something that helps people. I want to do something beneficial. I want to do something that feels good. That's positive. Um, I ended up quitting this job to go and work as a carer um no experience in care anything like that and it all falls through at the last minute I end up working uh like getting to a really low point where uh I I uh I'd already me and Ethany were already living together and so I had to get a job and it was desperate because I'd suddenly lost you know, didn't have a job and whatever and so Dominic actually he worked in this in the supermarket here in the UK and they had a warehouse out the back where they basically did all of the online shopping. So I worked in the warehouse, literally just moving crates and boxes for like six weeks. I lost uh, like 28 pounds in like six weeks of weight because I was not eating, was like depressed. It was all going bad. And I ended up getting a job interview back at that original college where I'd met Ethne, where Mm -hmm. I'd started to work in the learning disabilities department of the college. I've never, I didn't really have any experience, didn't really, I had done a placement in a learning disability school while I was at college. Um, but even now, I don't think I did very well. Um, and I think a lot of it was because I was too young, not mature enough. And it wasn't my vision. It wasn't my direction. I hadn't, it was like something I'd been pushed into. I hadn't owned it yet. Right. right we're almost there. I'm sorry. I feel like. I'm <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So we get to, I start working at this college and it's in, it's in similar classrooms as working with people that were, were profound and people that had challenging behavior and, you know, Mm -hmm. that could be aggressive and violent and all, and it was kind of like a secure unit. And like you said, the, to someone that sees that for the first time, it can be very sort of scary and off putting, Mm -hmm. but as you get to know the people you're supporting you understand that actually that's there that's them trying to communicate something um and all behavior is communication and so after about two weeks i'm really struggling so i have 
o- OCD and all these other things. And I'm like at a point where I'm like washing my hands so many times a day, my hands are bleeding. Um, like I'm really struggling and I get home and uh, this is about, this is like, like a moment, the moment that you said, when you have a moment where things change in your life, and uh, I was it, I was feeling sorry for myself and I'd like run myself a bath. I was sitting in the bath being all depressed and Ethany comes home at like, you know, six o'clock or whatever. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I can't do this. I need to just get an office job. I just need to do something else. I can't I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. And she just challenged me. She's just basically like, what are you saying? Like, this is what you said you wanted to do. You said you wanted to do something positive. You said you wanted to work with people. You've got that opportunity. You suck it up and get on with it. Like, just do it. You know, like one of them, just like Mm -hmm. a real talk that just kind of shakes you up a little bit. And the next morning, I just had a completely different attitude. And I went into the college and I just started asking questions. I was like, okay, so what does what is what what is down syndrome what does it mean what is autism how does it work like like you know what what is all what are all of these different conditions i found myself like googling and researching and Mm -hmm. trying to just you know how best to work with different people and i kind of developed my own style of i kind of just made a conscious decision that i am just going to be myself with every single person that i support and treat them as if they're my best friend or family member and just take it like that And I kind of gained this reputation of because I was working with adults, me having a flat, laid back kind of vibe was really helpful because it's kind of like more of a calming thing. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was just treating people as equals, not patronizing, not talking down, just talk, you know, that people I'm working with people that are like 18 to 24. And I was like 24, 25 at the time. So it ended up leading me on this trajectory of um, getting teaching certifications, not QTS, not qualified teacher status, but enough to teach at the college. I ended up teaching as a like a classroom teacher for a couple years. I uh, did all this stuff, all the stuff with the Special Olympics on the side. Um, and this was all 10 years ago. And it's led me on to this 10 year journey, which I then left seven years ago uh the college and set up my own care service and um i'm not going to toot my own horn but it's been very successful yeah. um and but it all led through sort of that perseverance in a similar way being right. told that you can't do something you're not good at something or actually i think everyone has the ability to do whatever it is they want to do it's just about having that perseverance and self-belief to do it and having people around to support you and to challenge you and like what you had with that second guidance counselor and like what I had with Ethany it's like someone to say no you can do that of course you can like yeah so I feel like though our stories are different they feel very similar to me yeah I agree that it's it sounds like you and I went through similar experiences and and but we're and we're both in a position where we want it to be and where we are now and I think that's always what's so important is that sometimes looking back on the journey can feel painful because you can think back of times of like I didn't feel happy then I felt low I felt lonely I felt this I felt that but just reminding ourselves but look at where we are now and that perspective and that appreciation for what we have or have achieved 
because we went through that you know so no regrets kind of situation i think no i don't haven't i mean i don't think i would change anything about what happened either so no regrets well excellent and well thank you such an inspiring story and thank you so much for sharing it and uh thank you for being so open with it and hopefully if there's anybody out there um you know hopefully this this can help and if anyone you know any of our ravens uh, have anything that they'd like to to talk about or uh you know be involved in one of these then please just you know reach out and let's do it and emily thank you so much for your time and thank you for for sharing yes and thank you for sharing too your story was just as inspiring as mine less inspiring i preferred yours but <laughs> <laughs> well good well thank you and uh we'll speak soon <laughs>